Amen. Thank you, worship team, for uh, leading us as we gather in this space and online to worship together. Jesse and I had been married for eight days when we packed up everything that we had, and we moved from South Mississippi to Durham, North Carolina, to start a brand new adventure together. I was going to grad school. Jesse was looking for a job to put food on the table for those three years that we would be there. We did not know a soul, uh, had no friends, no family, and we were desperate for connection. And so we were looking all around, and, and there were two things that converged for us that first semester that I was there at Duke. Uh, an opportunity to build relationships and Duke basketball. And so we took the opportunity to, to participate in what is known as the Graduate School Basketball Campout, a 72-hour campout uh, on Duke's campus to have the opportunity to maybe, if you win in a lottery, to buy tickets for basketball games at a discounted price. And so we, we participated in this camp out uh, throughout the 72 hours. They would walk through randomly and they would blow a whistle and you'd have to sprint up to this uh, tent and check your name off a list. And we did that over and over and over uh, so that we could have a chance to maybe be able to buy tickets to get into Cameron Indoor to watch Duke basketball. Well, all three years that we were there, we went in with a couple of other couples, and we were lucky enough to win in the lottery to be able to buy tickets. But even if you had tickets, when day ga game day came around, you had to wait in line because it was first come, first serve for the graduate uh, students to get in. You'd wait in line uh, for hours to be able to get into, into the game. And I remember my first time, my first game we showed up to, uh, after we had done the 72-hour camp out, you know, and then we get in line and we're waiting for hours, and, and we, it was cold, and I was freezing, and if you know me, I don't like to be cold, and we're just waiting and waiting, and all of a sudden, these people started walking by the line and walking right into the building, and I was like, well, why did these people, like, what is so special about these people that they don't have to wait like the rest of us? Well, I finally figured out that the reason that they got to go ahead and go in is because they were with the team. They didn't have to do a camp out for 72 hours. They didn't have to purchase tickets. They didn't have to wait for maybe that they would have an opportunity to get in. They got to go right in because they were with the team. Now, I share that story because I think perhaps a lot of us approach our spiritual lives the same way. That I'm going to try to run through the hoops. I'm going to try to do what I'm supposed to do so that maybe I can check off the box to one day get in. And every once in a while, we watch somebody skip to the front of the line. We watch them walk right in. And they seem to have kind of this uh, unordinary relationship with Jesus. Like they seem to know him. Like Jesus seems to be wrapped up in their lives. And we think, well, there's something special about them. But we miss the truth is that all of us can have life with Jesus. We can be with him today, not maybe someday if we check the box so we might be able to get in. But today we can have life with Jesus because he's inviting us in. Not for one day, 
But today, so as we wrap up this series talking about only Jesus, I want us to really reflect on and wrestle with the truth that Jesus wants to do life with me, not one day, that one day I might get into heaven, but that Jesus wants to do life with me today. Now, Paul talks about this truth as he's wrapping up his letter to the Colossian church. And we're going to jump in in his letter in chapter 3 as we talk about this idea of having life with Jesus. So let's look at that together. We're going to read a a lengthy section of that, verses 1 through 17. So you might want to follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Uh, But let's see what Paul has to say about life with Jesus. Since then, you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, right out of the gate here in this section of Paul's letter, Paul is reminding us of the truth that we can have life with Jesus today. In verse 1, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, then set your, your heart on things above. For, he says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. It's something that has already happened and it is a present reality, not a one day maybe. If so, if I check the box and it could be, I could get into heaven maybe one day. But he says, no, the reality is that you have life with Christ today because of what Jesus has already done. The truth that Paul lifts up for us is this. Our goal is life in Jesus, and that is already available by trusting what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. 
I wonder how much of the time we're waiting for the one day, maybe so, if I can, and we miss out on what already is available to us to have life with Christ. It's more than just getting into heaven, but it's life today. It means that I, I, I stop trying to avoid just enough sin that I can be eligible to maybe get into heaven one day. How much of our life is spent flirting with sin, wondering, I wonder how close is too close. I don't want to get too close because I want to get into heaven one day, but I want to do what I want to do today. So how close can I get without really getting in trouble and disqualifying myself from what heaven means one day? And it's like we kind of play with fire. Like how close can I get to fire without getting burned? Well, you know what? One day you're going to get burned. Or how close can I get to that, the edge of that cliff without falling off? You know, one day you're going to fall. What if instead we changed our perspective, and it's not about one day, but it's about today. How can I have all that Jesus wants for me? It also means that I begin to see myself correctly. That, that I don't beat myself up with self-deprecating thinking or buying into the lies of the world or those wounds that, that I've wrestled with in life, things that were done or said or not done or not said, where I made that promise to myself that I always will or I never will, or this is just who I am. It's not buying into those lies and, and, and putting a label on myself, but saying, I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God who's died and lives for me. And it's not puffing myself up with pride, thinking that I'm better than I am, but realizing that I'm broken, I'm in need, I'm a sinner, I've rejected God, and I need the grace of Jesus to, to set me free from all that sin holds on to in me. And, and it's also, it's not just living for today, and it's not just seeing myself correctly, but it's also having a right perspective about how we get engaged in the world. That we understand that I don't go to the world to get life from the world. But as a follower of Jesus, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as someone who's filled with the Spirit of God, I don't get life from, but I bring life to the things of the world. That I can look at all the mess around me and I'm okay. Because I've got life in me. As Ali said earlier, that the one who is risen, who is with God, is greater than the one who's in the world. And I don't have to, to be tore up from the floor up about all the things that are happening around me. But I can bring hope and peace and power and life to all that stuff. Whether it's elections or viruses or things happening in our community or racial injustice or whatever it might be. I still have hope and I still have a promise that Jesus is alive. And so when I'm disappointed by the stuff happening around me, maybe that's a good thing. Because it sets my heart in the right place, my mind in the right place, back where hope really belongs is with Jesus, not in the world. And so what does this look like for us? That how do we really walk with Jesus? I think it comes down to two things for us. Uh, first, it means that I, I, I'm willing, committed to let go and receive. And we're going to talk about that. And it means that I let Jesus catch me with his pursuit. So let's talk about that first one. What does it mean for me to let go and receive? It means that life with Jesus means that I let go of old ways and receive new ways. You know, look at what Paul says here, starting in verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, 
whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he begins to walk through some of those things that shut us off, that close us off from the purposes and the peace and the power, the freedom that Jesus wants to bring into our lives. These things like sexual immorality or anger or rage or greed or slander or filthy language. These things are are those things that shut us off from what God wants to do in me and through me. And I got to have a willingness to let go. But it's not just that I let go, but I also have to be willing to receive that God wants to bring some things to me, that God wants to do some things through me. And so Paul says that we've, we've got to be able to receive things, take on things that like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, loving one another, working toward unity with each other. That we let go and we receive. Paul's using a a very popular metaphor here for the first century. The metaphor, the symbol uh, for him, he's pointing to the sacrament of baptism. For the first century, if you were a follower of Jesus, you made a commitment to Jesus. You would have a public pronouncement of that faith. You would confess with your mouth as you trusted with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you would enter into the command that Jesus said we are to be baptized. And as a first century Christian, a follower of Jesus, what you would do is you would come with a robe and you would take that robe off and you would step into the waters of baptism. And as you came out of those waters of baptism, you would put on a clean, new, pure robe, symbolizing that the old life, the dead life, the broken life is gone. I've taken it off. And all that Jesus wants to bring to me and through me, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm putting it on knowing that it's not me that does anything. I'm not checking off a box to get me into heaven, but it is Christ who lives in me. And I'm taking on all that he wants to bring into my life. And so Paul is encouraging us to be able to let go so that we can receive. When you think about this image of what Paul's inviting us into, as we come to God so often with our hands full of stuff, right? We come to God with worries and anxieties. We're holding on to it. We, we come to God with our plans and all the things that we think we need to do, and we're holding on to it. We come to God with all of our desires and all the things that we want, and we're holding on to it. And we come to God with our relationships and our past and all the junk and all the stuff in our life, and we're holding on to it. And we want Jesus to be at work in our lives and we want Jesus to move and we want Jesus to do some things. And and he's saying to us, I've got some new life that I want to breathe into you. I've got some gifts that I want to put in your hands. I've got a purpose that I want to place in your life, but you're holding on to stuff that, that there's no room for me to work. And so Paul is saying, if we will just open our hands and let go, then then we'll be in a position to receive with open hands. But will we be willing to let go and receive, to pursue Jesus, to see that he's pursuing me, and to let him work by changing the way I think, the way I feel, the way I make decisions, the way I relate to other people, which can only happen in me if I let Jesus catch me with his pursuit. And what does that mean for us? What does it mean to let Jesus catch me? It means that the call of Jesus on us is not to do for Jesus, but just to be with Jesus. 
It's not a box you have to check off. It's not a good enough. It's not if you measure up. It's not you might maybe one day. But Jesus is saying, I'm already here. I'm already at work. Everything that's needed is already done. And I just want you to be with me and let me do the work in you. Are we willing to make that commitment to say, I'm going to let go so that I can receive because I just want to be with Jesus. Now, there's some real practical uh, matters here that some real consequences of what happens when we have life with Jesus. One of those is that we will let Jesus rule our hearts. Verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule and your hearts. The word is brabeo in the Greek. It literally means to direct and give the, the pathway for. What Jesus is calling us to, what Paul is inviting us to wrestle with, is that Jesus wants to direct and provide the pathway for every thought, every feeling, every decision that you make. Am I willing to let Jesus direct, to provide the path, the direction for my life, for my heart, for my thinking, for my feeling, knowing that when I let go and let him take over, there's peace. There's not frustration. There's not bitterness. There's not anxiety. There's peace when I let Jesus take over the, the direction of my thinking, my feeling, my will. It means that I'm willing to practice thanks. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then he says, and be thankful. Be thankful that we understand that Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done and Jesus is already at work in my life and Jesus is already speaking to me and Jesus is already calling me and Jesus already has a hope and a future for me and because of that, no matter what is going on around me, I can be thankful. A real simple way for us to remember this is to see it, say it, and send it. See the things that God is at work at in your life around you. Open your eyes, open your ears, pay attention. God, what are you doing? Even through the junk and the mess of my life, what are you up to, God? Because what you're up to is always good. There's always hope and always purpose to what you're doing. See it and then say it. I wonder how many of the things that we notice in life when we just brush right on by. I got to get to the next thing. I got stuff to do. I got a calendar. I got a schedule. I got a budget. I got to get going. I got people are dependent on me. I got stuff to make happen. And I just keep going. What would happen if we just paused and said, wow, look at what God just did right there. I see it and say it and then send it. God, thank you that you haven't given up on me. Thank you that you are good. Even though I don't deserve it, God, you're working in my life. God, thank you. And so I'm going to let Jesus rule my heart and bring peace. I'm going to practice giving thanks. I'm going to live with others. He says that we let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you what? As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, that we know that we need to do life together. Whether it's through a, a formal uh, pathway like a life group or a Sunday school group or a ministry group or, or I've got people coming in my home or whatever it might be. Or it's just the friendships we built in life with other people who are trying to follow Jesus in their life. That we are committed to doing life together and not just to hang out with each other. But to do what? To push each other. 
to encourage each other, to pray for each other. Not just that we say, oh, I'll pray for you, but we stop in the moment and we pray for one another right there in that moment, lifting our burdens and our concerns and our hopes to the God of creation. That we worship together. That we dive into all areas of life. I love that he says that we, one of the paths we use are the Psalms. Because in the Psalms, you've got every aspect of life. The good and the bad and the ugly right there laid bare. And we're invited to do that with one another. And that we worship God together. Not just on Sundays, not just when we show up, but understanding. A new understanding of worship. That every day can be worshiped when I direct everything that I'm doing toward God, when I get up in the morning and I'm preparing for my day, that I'm doing it for Christ, that when I'm engaging with my kids or my spouse or my parents or my, my friends, that I'm doing it for Christ, that when I'm going to work, that I'm doing it for Christ, when, when I'm engaging in the community, that I'm doing it for Christ, when I'm taking my kids to whatever activity that I'm taking them to, that I'm doing it for Christ, that somehow Jesus might work in me, that Jesus might work through me, that I might actually see lives change around me because I'm doing it for Christ that there are no moments of my life, moments of my day that are off limits. What Paul is inviting us into is an all-in approach of not a one day, maybe so, but a today life with Jesus. I mean, really, here's what it all boils down to for you and me. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to live a human life to take on flesh, that he might know every part of our human condition, every part of our human life short of sin. Everything that we experience in this world, he experienced it and he lived a perfect life and then he gave his life as a ransom. He took on our sin on the cross that all the sin of the world, past, present and future was bared upon his body and he took on our punishment. He went to the grave and he defeated it and he rose again. This is the goodness of the gospel that the grave could not hold him but three days later he rose from the dead that our God is not dead. He is alive. He is at work. He is with you. He is working in your life today. Not then, not one day, but today Jesus is at work because he is alive. That is the God that we serve. And so you don't have to cross your fingers or throw a wish into a fountain, but you can know and be sure today that Jesus has worked it all out for you, that there's a place for you and he has life with you today that we can be aware of and embrace Jesus's life with us today. This is why it's so important for us to have the whole picture of the gospel because in the book of Acts, we see the rest of the story. What does God do? He sends the Holy Spirit. He says, I don't wanna just do for you, but I wanna be with you. Even more than that, I wanna be in you. That's the miracle of the gospel that God who created everything says, I will be one with you. And we can become aware of that and embrace it every day. That's why it's so important. If you're trying to find Jesus in your life, the goal is not for you to bring Jesus to you. The goal is for you to see where Jesus already is. So if you want to see Jesus more in your life, 
then stop and pause and look around and ask the question, Jesus, what are you already doing? Would you give me eyes to see you where you're already at work? If you want to hear the voice of God in your life, then stop and pause and listen. Allow yourself to be quiet enough. Oh my goodness. What would that look like for us to, to schedule in some quiet into our schedules, into our life, and listen. And God is faithful. He says, I'm not some father who's going to hold out on you. If you will ask me for the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, I will freely give it. And I know that if we ask God to say, let me hear your voice clearly, he will help us to hear his voice. For me, that's been the hardest struggle of my Christian walk is to discern God's voice from all the other voices. But I know my God is faithful. And if we would pause, if we would stop, we would listen and we would say, Father, I want to hear your voice clearly. He is faithful and he will help us to hear where he's already speaking. If you want to know God more, if you want to know Jesus more in your life, stop and pause and say, God, help me to embrace you already with me. And here's the key. It's so very simple, but for some of us, it could revolutionize our lives. It's not trying to fit Jesus into my life or into my day or into my busy schedule. It is to let Jesus into all of it whether I'm in the car or at work or at school or at church or at home or wherever I might be, whatever I might be doing, that I would let Jesus in. Because if you're far away from God, it's not Jesus who's left. If you're distanced and you can't see him, you can't hear him, you don't know him, it's not because he has removed himself from you. He has always been with you, always speaking, always waiting. Will we let him in? So let's commit to stop striving to earn what Jesus has already given. Let's commit to open our eyes and our ears to see and hear where Jesus already is. Not a one day, maybe so, but an already fulfilled promise on the cross over 2,000 years ago, solidified by the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church. Let's open our hands and receive what Jesus wants to give. So let's, let's pause and say, God, help me. And let's receive. Let's confess that our pride gets in the way and that we try to do life on our own. Let's repent and change direction and say, God, I don't want to do life on my own anymore. I want to be with you and in you. And then let's celebrate as the church. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's disappointing around us. But we should never be surprised when the world disappoints. We should expect that because it's broken and we have good news to share. So let's, let's celebrate that we have life in Christ and bring that life to the world and stop trying to suck life from the world and see what God's gonna do. So here's how I wanna close out this morning. I wanna do something just a little more directed. If you'll stand, 
we're going to close out. We're going to sing one more song. And as we do each and every Sunday, if there's anything going on in your life, we'd invite you to, to kneel in your seat where you are, kneel at home and pray. You can come to these altar rails and pray. But before we do that, I just want to lead us through a prayer that if your heart is willing, if your spirit is willing, that you would engage in this, that it would not just be words of my mouth, but you would join with me in spirit, that we would take our hands with clenched fist as a recognition of how we so often come to God, holding on to all the stuff that we do. So if you'll do that right now, isn't it true that this is often how we come to God? God, I got all this stuff. I need you to fix it. I need you to use it. I need you to, God, but I want to hold on to it. And as I pray, I just want to invite you at the appropriate moment, I'll guide you, that you will open your hands to let go and receive. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come bowing down to you, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, God of creation, God of salvation. And we come with our fist clenched, Lord, as a confession of how we so often come to you with our own terms, with our own rules, with our own expectations, unwilling to change, to repent, to let go. I pray right now, Lord, that for all of us in this room, everybody watching online, that your Holy Spirit would move in us and spur us on, not only to physically open our hands, but to spiritually open our lives, to let go of the sin and brokenness, the, the terms that we come with, and just receive the life of Jesus, Lord. So right now we open our hands. We let go of our anxiety. God, we let go of our fear. We let go of our broken expectations and terms. God, we let go of our shame. We let go of our past. We let go of the wounds that have traveled with us. We lay them at your throne. And with open hands, God, we pray that you would give give your Holy Spirit to us, that you would give forgiveness. God, I pray that you would give us purpose and calling, that we would not go through this life bored, but that we would be filled with a passion for the kingdom and what you want to do in us and through us. God, I pray that you would give us forgiveness for others. Lord, I pray that you would give us a new way of thinking and feeling and a new will directed by you, that you would live in us, that we would be one with you. I pray that you would give us a heart of worship in all things that we do. I pray that you would give us compassion for one another and for the hurting and the broken. I pray that you would give us gentle spirits with those who do not think like us, that we would bring the life of Jesus to the world. We come with open hands as an act of surrender. Come, Lord Jesus, help us to experience you already with us. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.